morning, everyone. Um, my name is Tyler Ranson, and you know I'm honored to have been asked to speak uh, for you guys today. But before I get started, I've been asked to make one quick announcement. Is there anybody missing a uh, large roll of $20 bills and a rubber band? All right, we found the rubber band. It's in the back. So <laughs> if you want that, you you know, help yourself. Um, you know, because today is Youth Sunday, I would like to discuss the work that our youth have been doing and, um, you know, the new beginning to our youth program. Every year, our youth goes on a missions trip, and the past few years, we've been going to Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, we would work there with a team named Nehemiah Missions, but this summer, uh, we'll be going to Nashville, Tennessee to do the work that we all felt to do with a handful of leaders. Each missions trip I have been on, you know, has shown me a different way to grow in my faith. For example, I've grown closer with those who walk the same walk as I do, and I've learned how to get back on track when I realized that I've strayed from my walk with Christ. A lot of what I've learned was taught to me by St. John's. I want to take this opportunity to uh, express my appreciation in the support that both myself and the youth have received from this from have received from this congregation. St. John's has always been like a second home to me, and I'm sure to many others as well. I've been attending St. John's since I went to preschool here, and I took the confirmation classes in 2017 to become a member of my church in December of that year. I was baptized by the previous youth pastor, Josh Malarski, and he has been a significant part of my journey with God. Josh is a big part of why I have always wanted to participate in a leadership role. I've always felt a calling to leading. Not, not really sure why, just kind of did. And when our current youth pastor, Jack Rommel, created the student ministries program, I knew that I wanted to participate. Um, student ministries has provided me with the experience I needed to prepare for any future opportunities in leadership. It has given me the confidence to stand in front of a group of people and share my story like I'm doing right now. And it's given me the confidence to uh, play an instrument on stage in front of an audience. And as of now, there's only two of us participating in this program, uh, Casey Van Mater and myself. But I'm sure that this program will be able to provide the same opportunities to other youth as I have. Good morning again, everyone. Um, so I want to start off by uh, just thanking uh, all of the youth that have helped out so far, uh, and especially uh, Tyler. We started a, a program that was kind of spearheaded by him a little bit called the Leader in Training, uh, but we call it the Lit Program. Um, the young kids would say that Lit means uh, exciting or fun or something, um, but some of them might be shaking their heads and say that's completely off, uh, and there's a good chance of that. Um, but it kind of started... Um, a few months ago, in December, with our junior high, our 6th through 8th graders, we take them to Delanco Camp for a little bit of a winter retreat, kind of late November, early December. Um, and we were looking for somebody to do worship for us, and Tyler had been talking about wanting to get more involved, and so the obvious choice was to uh, ask him to come out and play music, and he, he started to hop into different areas of not just playing music, but uh, helping lead the kids on uh, different games and lessons and things like that. Uh, I got him to dress up as Kylo Ren for one of the night games, uh, it was a lot of fun. And at the end of the weekend, I was like, so Tyler, do you see yourself pursuing uh, youth ministry? Do you, could, could you be a, a youth pastor, a youth leader one day? And he's like, I hope not. But 
we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. Uh, and of course, that goes, uh, you know, beyond Tyler and extends to, to all the youth that uh, came and helped out, uh, especially for the 11 o'clock. I was starting to run out of things to do for the kids uh, to come over here. So I was debating with the idea of sending them over and helping take the trash out of my house to serve on Youth Sunday, but uh, I gave them a pass uh, for this morning. But uh, it, was, it, it was awesome to see different kids come up here uh, to pray, to welcome, to usher, to collect that, uh, double-check the money just in case again uh, for the ushers that came forward. But it was really great uh, just seeing everybody come out and uh, participate this Sunday morning. And I want to thank all of you for being here to support the youth. Uh, just your presence obviously means a lot going forward for them. Uh, and so I, I wanted to start uh, to think about how we can uh, start to relate this idea of Youth Sunday. What, what does that mean? How does that apply to uh, just the regular attenders uh, of, the, of the church here? And I wanted to start off uh, with a verse uh, from Thessalonians uh, 1, uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Um, it says, Now, brothers, uh, about times and dates, we do not need to write you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers, are not in the darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like the others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. So at this point, uh, Paul is writing, uh, this is his first of two letters, um, and he's starting to provide teaching about uh, the return of Jesus and also how to conduct themselves while they're kind of waiting for that. So I want to uh, zone in on that last uh, verse that says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. And so I wanted to think about how that can relate uh, to you guys and how that can relate to us as a church. And this idea of encouragement, I started to think, who are some of the best encouragers uh, within the Bible? And of course, I could have easily just went to Jesus. And of course, he is the great, the greatest at everything. But I wanted to look at a, a different character, uh, Barnabas, who's actually the son of encouragement. And within the Bible, there's actually three different words that will translate into that. Uh, there's nakam, which is Hebrew, and it's to breathe strongly or to sigh. There's chazak, which is to give strength. And there's uh, parakaleo, to call someone near or to invite someone. And it also could be translated as comfort. And all of this can blend into different meanings. And when we talk about encouragement, it's not just doing, but it's also how do you receive encouragement. And kind of taking all of those in, when you think about how to do it, you uh, take someone near, you take someone close to you uh, with the purpose of supporting them and building them up. And in receiving it, it's, you're using that to sustain yourself. You're using that to help you get through these hard, or these hard times and carry yourself through sin. And so again, in that Christian context, it's a lot about one-on-one, -on -one, but as we look, I think oftentimes churches can start to struggle if they're not properly being encouraged. And that's on an individual level and a church level. Um, on a, a church level, a congregation can start to become discouraged uh, if there's financial issues, if the building's not working right, um, or even because of uh, the sin of somebody higher in position, uh, whether that's an elder or somebody on staff, 
a church can become discouraged from that. And as individuals, sometimes we can get discouraged when we realize that we're caught in a certain sin. Sometimes we see ourselves in the mirror and we see something that could be greater, but oftentimes something is holding us back. So these are some things uh, in which we can get discouraged. And Barnabas, we're going to look through his life and show seven ways that he acted uh, with generosity and encouraged other people. And so the first one uh, is actually uh, he encouraged generosity itself. Uh, One of the first places we meet him uh, is in Acts chapter 4 and in verse 36. Uh, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles, apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. And this is really important if you start to take into account uh, the context of that. It's not just somebody taking money and just giving it to the church, which in and of itself is a very good act, as we're called to tithe. But if you think about just a few chapters ahead uh, at Pentecost, 3,000 people were just baptized. So if you're thinking about a church like that and just adding 3,000 people, there's going to be a lot of growth and a lot of need of space and money and things like that to go into that. If I were to tell you next week that we're going to baptize 3,000 people here at St. John's, we're going to need to upgrade our bowl right here to a much bigger size to hold some more water. Um, And even things like that, we'll have to go to more than just two services. Uh, We would need to break it up to make sure there's space for parking, make sure there's space in here, in the sanctuary. All these different headaches that could potentially come with growth, despite it being obviously a good thing. So Barnabas going out and giving Uh, selling his land and giving that money to the disciples was very important at that time. And he also set a standard. He let the poor know uh, that he's there for them, that the church is there for them, and the new uh, members were there for them. But he also set an example to the rich and showed that, oh, this is how I'm supposed to give my money. This is how I'm supposed to treat the things that God has given to me. Uh, Going on into Acts 9, we look at and see how uh, he encouraged ministry. Um, and this, at this point is where he takes in uh, Saul, is his name at the time, eventually Paul. But at this point, he was heading towards uh, Jerusalem and was actually rejected for that. So in Acts 9, starting at verse 23, it says, After many days had gone by, the Jews conspired to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. And so for a moment, I just want you to think about being in Saul's shoes. Um, You risked your life to try to get to Jerusalem. There were people that were trying to kill you and trying to stop you from getting there. But eventually some people do help you get there, but now you arrive and the leaders of the church are actually the ones who reject you, right? It just wasn't a few people in the congregation that said they were scared. It said the disciples were afraid of him. And if you could just think about that almost for a second, if somebody were to just walk through the double doors back here, and either myself or Pastor Mike or somebody might just point him out and be like, no, 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 you get out of here. We don't want you here. I don't think that person would ever step in the property of St. John's again. They would be discouraged. But as we go into the next verse, into 27, it says, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Barnabas didn't just simply say, we need to accept everybody. He vouched for Saul at that time. He put his reputation on the line to go out there and try and encourage somebody else. And as we see what Saul and Paul eventually came to do was, was very much good. But in that moment, 
if we think about it, Paul could, could have easily turned around. He could have easily quit because he was rejected by some of the leaders. And he could have went back to his sinful ways and to rejecting Christ. But because somebody stepped out and vouched for him, he became further in his relationship with Christ. And as we go on a little bit into Acts 11, we actually see Barnabas not only vouch for him, he also took him under his wing. And as we see, they head over to Antioch to spread uh, the Bible over there. Another thing that he encouraged uh, was uh, brotherly love. And in Acts 11:27, while they're in Antioch, uh, Barnabas and Saul, they had a few prophets come to them. And one, specifically Agabus, said they projected, or projected a uh, great famine at that time. And so at that time, the disciples then sent over supplies or money and food, whatever it might have been. Uh, and it was Barnabas and Saul that stayed there to make sure that was distributed and given to the people. So when the famine hit, they weren't greatly uh, affected. Uh, now, back in Her when Herica Hurricane Katrina hit in 2005, the high school that I ended up attending, St. Augustine, sent a, a team of kids and also some teachers and uh, one of the priests there as well. And when I eventually got there, uh, the priest uh, was teaching a lesson a little bit on how uh, being a part of Christianity, being a part of the church is so much more uh, than just a building. It's about building relationships between each other. And he went into this story about how when they went down there, one of the places they went to was a church that actually turned itself into like a hub. Um, you know, they would house people, uh, let them come in and stay there overnight. They would feed them, give them water. Which, of course, we as Christians, that's a great thing for a church to do. Uh, and that's something that we want to be striving towards. But eventually, they started to take in so many people that they knocked down the walls uh, in certain areas to open up rooms. They took out all the pews. So it really wasn't even uh, a church. And for six months straight, they never had a single worship service or Sunday school or any type of Christian uh, faith or uh, pronunciation of, of, of God or proclamation of God. Instead, it just became a place that was giving out food, and that was simply it. And after those six months, uh, the church actually disbanded, and it just became uh, a food shelter because all those people within the church were still craving more. They were still looking for a worship service. They were still looking for Sunday school. The parents were looking for a children's program and youth group and all these different things. And, you know, the potlucks, as we Methodists still have here. Um, they were looking for these things, but it wasn't met. And it's important to go back and realize that Barnabas, as an encourager, they're often... Uh, seeing the future. They're, they're able to see what their good acts can do to help pave the way for others. So by him and Saul staying there and providing for those people to make sure they didn't get into a situation where people would be discouraged and leave, showed that he promoted uh, brotherly love to the uh, fellow believers. Uh, going on, um, in Acts 13, we see that he encouraged evangelism. So um, we eventually see them get sent out and in Acts 13, there's actually two different lists. Um, in verse 1, we see a list, and we see Barnabas, and we see uh, two other names, and then we see Saul listed about them going somewhere. So here we see Barnabas is almost the leader of the group, whether that's because he's been there the longest or was the wisest, whatever it might be, he was still put first, and Saul was last. And in verse 43, going all the way uh, throughout uh, 13, we then see it flipped. We see Paul is now listed first and Barnabas is listed behind him. And to me, this is extremely important because in both situations, Barnabas went out and preached the gospel. He didn't let whether or not he was the leader or not kind of affect how he would go about preaching uh, God's word. And sometimes that's a question we have to ask ourselves is that do we enjoy being the chief more than we enjoy doing the actual job? 
And that's really important sometimes uh, we can get caught up in making sure everything's running that we forget the actual reason that we're doing it for. But Barnabas showed us in both situations he was ready to go out and preach the gospel no matter what. Going into Acts 15, we see that he encourages unity. Uh, at that time, there was a big debate about the, the Gentiles and whether or not they should be invited into uh, Christianity. And most people were for getting them in, but they felt that they had to go through uh, some of the Jewish tradition, uh, traditions at that time. Because if you think about it, a lot of the early Christians were former Jews, and so they wanted the Gentiles to go through that. But Paul and Barnabas actually stood up in Acts 15 and verse 12. They stood up and defended that. And Barnabas didn't just say, hey, look at the great things I did with these people. He got up and said, look at the great things we did in the name of God, which is a very important distinction because he includes Paul with him and he includes all the Gentiles with them, the things that they did. It wasn't an act of Barnabas. It was an act of God's people trying to spread his gospel. And in a time of uh, much uh, division and separation, Barnabas and Paul were a voice of unity. And Acts, later in Acts 15, um, we see him as a voice of reconciliation. He encourages reconciliation. Jumping back to chapter 13, uh, we actually read uh, about Barnabas and, and Paul um, outspreading the word, and they were with uh, a man named John Mark, and he actually ended up leaving them uh, and going back to Jerusalem. And it doesn't ex uh, explicitly state why. Um, you know, you can kind of take a guess. Maybe he was feeling homesick, tired, didn't want to be there, um, whatever it might be. Um, and after this settles, uh, a few chapters later here in 15, um, Paul eventually wants to go back and return to those cities, uh, and he wants Barnabas to come with him. But the issue here is that Barnabas now wants to bring John Mark uh, with them back to those cities. But Paul was still a little bit frustrated at John Mark's actions during that time, and he didn't want him to come. Now, I'm not trying to put Paul down in the situation. In the early church, I think we really needed people like Barnabas who were ready to unite people, who were ready to forgive people, were ready to go out and just love on everybody. And not that Paul didn't do that, but sometimes Paul, you could see, would be a little bit more of like a strong-headed type person where somebody were to, uh, you know, diss the church or put down the church, he was one of the first people to stand up and defend it. And in this situation, he might have felt um, that John Mark wasn't fully dedicated to spreading the gospel, so he didn't want them there. So in this situation, they ended up splitting. Uh, Paul took a, a Silas with him, and Barnabas took uh, John Mark. And I want you to imagine uh, being John Mark in that situation. Uh, where somebody's trying to take you into a ministry with them, but the leader of that ministry is rejecting you and pushing you away and saying, I want to do this, but without that person. That's obviously going to have lasting effects on that person's relationship with the church and relationship with Christ because that's how somebody treated them. But later in uh, Colossians 4, we actually see Paul reunited with John Mark, and he actually talks about um, how faithful his service has been. And there's no direct link between the two, but you can fill in the gaps and just think about Barnabas probably had a role in reestablishing that. The fact that he gave John Mark another chance to go out there and spread the gospel, that helped bridge that gap between him and Paul. And uh, the last thing is that he encouraged imitation. So I'm actually going to read a verse, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 11, verse 1. Uh, and this is actually Paul's writing, but it says, Follow my example as, if I, as I follow the example of Christ. So again, this is Paul saying that, but if you think about where did Paul learn about Christ, who was his mentor, uh, who was somebody that led him to know more about Christ, and we can relate that back to Barnabas. 2,000 years later, and we're still seeing the effects of Bar Barnabas's uh, ability to reach out and bring people into the name of Christ. 
And if we look at all the things that he did in these different chapters, Barnabas gave away his land and his money. He gave away his reputation. He gave away his time and his ministry to somebody else. But what he was is that he was a visionary, and he realized that including other people, encouraging other people, and bringing them alongside was how the church was going to grow. And we still see that today. And I can even uh, speak from my personal story. When I first uh, wandered into Sickleville uh, several years ago, trying to explore my faith, there were a few people that came up, and they were friendly, and they said hello. Uh, But there was one person, Dan, who took me in. Uh, He invited me to the men's retreat. It wasn't just a friendly hello on Sunday mornings. He was actually inviting me out, inviting me to help out with youth group, and that kind of led me on the path to where I am today. And so somebody that can come and encourage other people is really how the church is going to grow and expand. And when we talk about how should this boil down to the local church, how should this boil down to each each of us sitting in the the seats here, um, one of the ways that we can be an encouragement is even simply just by showing up. A lot of times Sunday mornings, I understand it's easier to take off and catch up on some chores, uh, run some errands, do things that you might not normally get to do on Sunday. But being here and being with each other is encouraging for other people to do that. You know, somebody might have had a rough day, but they still show up to church. And the fact that they ran into you made their Sunday morning much more brighter. Some things behind the scenes, like it might be easier uh, not to tithe simply because you could put that money towards rent, a mortgage, student loans, retirement, or even just day-to-day, it might be easier to, to do that. But of course, the fact that we are tithing allows something like this to happen, allows us to have a children's program, a youth program, and all these different, different events uh, that take place here at St. John's. And so um, what I want to do, of course, here is charge all of you to go out and be like Barnabas. Now, of course, this relation is a little bit towards youth, and so one of the uh, things that we've kind of had in, in staff discussions and uh, things that we have learned from different uh teachers on this subject of youth ministry is that um, each youth deserves somebody there for them. It deserves an adult there for them on Sunday mornings. And so that's something to think about, like, how are you influencing the lives of the younger generations? And that doesn't simply have to be right after this, when I step down, you come up to me and say, Jack, I'm ready to do uh, Sunday school. Jack, I'm ready to, you know, help out in this area. I'm ready to do youth week or go on the mission trip or things like that. It can start simply by showing up on Sundays and actually speaking uh, into them. And I know sometimes approaching teenagers isn't necessarily the easiest thing in the world, uh, especially if you don't have any teenagers um, in your house. But it's, it's actually interesting how God works through people because for myself, I'm in one of the positions where I have to go out and when the new kids come, I always have to go out and reach them. But if you know me, I generally don't talk to people that like I don't know, I'm very awkward in that way call me a millennial. It's okay. I won't be offended. Um, but generally, I don't go out and uh, try to, to build bonds, at least with people you know around my age. It changes with youth ministry because of uh, what I've been called to do. But that's something that I was never good or never leaned towards was going out and being a social butterfly. Once you know me, you find out how weird I am and all my little quirks and things like that. And You probably can't get me to stop talking or making lame jokes or anything like that, but got to build that bridge first. And that was something that I had struggled with. But that's something that I encourage all of you to go out and to do to the youth sitting in uh, these seats here, that they were so willing to come out and just spread their love for God that they were willing to get up on stage. You know, it's time for us to return that favor and help build up uh, our youth ministry and our children's ministry. And even as we talked about earlier in the announcements, you know, VBS still needs plenty of volunteers. That's an easy way uh, for you to hop in and get involved that way. But also beyond just youth ministry, beyond children's ministry, Um, How are you encouraging the people sitting next to you? How are you encouraging 
uh, the people in your Sunday school, in your small group, on Wednesday nights, whatever it might be. There's so many ways uh, in which we can make them feel encouraged and loved and a part of this congregation here. And I will say, uh, when I started to think through this, um, I, th- I thought it was a very good, more of a reminder for us, because I feel like we as St. John's have, have been doing a good job of that, of encouraging other people. I know Carrie and I can even speak from testimony uh, with the past few whirlwind of a weeks of, of getting married and the honeymoon and all those things that we felt very loved and very encouraged by the people here at St. John's uh, by throwing the Irish sprinkle that we had uh, and even people just wishing us well kind of as we take that first few weeks uh, into marriage. And I have to say my commute is definitely a lot easier uh, this time around. But as outsiders coming in, we feel that this church is encouraging. We feel that uh, this church is a loving place. But I challenge you to take that to the next step, to the next level. Who's somebody that you're not encouraging right now? Are you being a Barnabas to somebody else's life? And ultimately, all of that points back to Christ. But if you ever look at how Barnabas acted, he gave away his land and his money. He gave away his reputation, his time, and his ministry. Is that something that you're doing? Maybe you are already giving away your time and money, but are you giving away your ministry? Are you equipping people underneath of you to come up and eventually replace you and come alongside you and do that and share in that ministry? I mean, one of the biggest things that Barnabas did was that he reached out to Paul, Saul at the time, and brought him into his ministry. Not as somebody to just help him. He wasn't assistant to the Barnabas. He was uh, actually somebody in there going and preaching the word with him and working alongside uh, Barnabas. So that's the challenge that I want you guys to think about as, as we start to uh, close here. And I'll close this uh, in prayers. I invite the worship team uh, forward. Um, I think they're doing a song. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's just the challenge that I want to invite uh, to all of you is to go out to be the Barnabas, to be somebody that is encouraging and equipping other people. So join me in a word of prayer. God, I thank you for St. John's. I thank you for this family here. I thank you for all the people that showed up to support our youth on this Sunday. And I give thanks for you challenging all the youth and being there with all the youth as they got up in front and maybe made themselves a little bit uncomfortable, but they did it in your name. I just want to challenge uh, everybody here in this room to make them uh, more like you, Lord. And as you've given us examples in the Bible of people that can do that, help us be uh, like Barnabas and and the actions that he took. Maybe we can take that. Maybe there's somebody we've seen at church, but we haven't gone up and talked to them yet, Lord, that we're just, we're feeling challenged and you place on our heart and that we actually act on it to be encouragers. We go out and we give up all the things that we have because uh, we want to be visionaries. We want to look towards the church of tomorrow and grow that and have more people come to know you. I just give thanks for everything that you've done, and I pray this all in your name. Amen. Would you please stand with us?